0: the Unsolved Retail Podcast, where I take unsolved cases from the past, give you the background, meat and theories of the case, and let you guys at home form your own conclusion on what really happened. Today we will be trying to figure out who was responsible for the Camden Town murder. Before I start, I want to warn listeners that this case will include quite a graphic description of a murder scene, so if this may be triggering to you, I suggest you stop listening at this point. To set the scene, this case takes place on St Paul's Road near King's Cross in North London where on the 12th of September 1907 Phyllis Dimmock, a young prostitute, was found dead with her throat cut. This leads us onto the focus of our case Phyllis Dimmock or Emily Dimmock as I will call her. Emily Elizabeth Dimmock was born on the 20th of October 1884 in the village of Standon near Ware in Hertfordshire. Emily left home young to work as a prostitute in East Finchley in Hertfordshire. She eventually drifted towards the King's Cross area, a magnet for prostitutes and drug dealers. By 1905, at the age of 21, she was lodging in a house at 1 Bidborough Street, just off Euston Road, close to Euston, St Pancras, and King's Cross stations. It was owned by a John William Cabtree. This boarding house was actually just a cover, as it was actually run as a brothel. After several years working as a prostitute on the rough streets of London, Emily's life soon eventually seemed to turn around. In the early months of 1907, Emily was living with her husband, a man named Bertram Shaw. He worked on the Sheffield Express train as a chef. Shaw was only a young man, possibly as young as 19, and had proposed to Emily that they'd live as husband and wife on condition that she gave up her previous employment as a prostitute. But unfortunately, in 1907, she'd already returned to drinking and prostitution. On September 6th, Emily, who used the name Phyllis with her clients and during her visits to bars, spent much of the night drinking in the company of a man called Robert Wood. Robert Wood was a young designer who, on the 11th of September, had sent Emily a postcard on which he'd ask her to meet him at a local pub. It said, Phyllis darling, if it pleases you to meet me at 8.15 at the rising sun, yours to a cinder. Wood used the Elias of Alice to avoid raising the suspicion of Emily's partner Bertram in case he'd come across it. The couple were seen in each other's company in the rising sun and again in the Eagle pub by witnesses. This would be the last time Emily Dimmock would be seen alive. <laughs> On the morning of the 12th of September, Bertram Shaw's mother called it Emily in his flat. It is believed her visit was made with the intention of granting Bert and Emily the family's blessing to marry which he needed since he was so young. She didn't get an answer, so she decided to wait for her son to return from work. Shaw arrived home at 11.30am to find his mother waiting. They made their way up to the flat, but were soon met with a shocking and horrific scene. In the bedroom, the walls painted red with blood, the body of Emily Dimmock lay naked on the bed. The killer had gruesomely slit her throat from ear to ear while she slept. It was determined Emily Dimmock had been murdered sometime between 3am and 6am. Traces of blood were found on a nearby towel along with two straight razors which belonged to Bertram. The killer had attempted to wash his hands and the blades before he made his exit. Although the flat had been ransacked nothing had been stolen The only items that appeared to be missing was a set of keys, which the killer had used to lock the door as he left the scene. The case was on the front page of all national newspapers, sensationalised much like the Jack the Ripper case had been 20 years before. However, the media coverage did prove useful to this case papers placed an image of the postcard Emily had received on the 11th of September on the front pages. This led to a witness coming forward claiming she recognised the handwriting. The witness was Ruby Young, an ex-girlfriend of Robert Wood, who was the last seen with Emily alive. She claimed that Robert Wood had visited her, asking that Ruby would say she and Robert still spent evenings together, specifically Mondays and Wednesdays, one of the nights Robert and Emily were together. And if anyone asked, was this him trying to secure an alibi? Police then quickly traced Robert Wood and charged him with the murder of Emily Dimmock. In the trial, Robert McCowan, a neighbour of Emily Dimmock, stated that on the morning of the murder, he witnessed a man with a pronounced walk near the flat at around 6am. Robert Wood had a very similar pronounced walk. A man named Robert Percival Roberts, another client of Emily Dimmock, claimed he had been a witness to Emily burning a letter and knew what it said. He said the letter read, Dear Phyllis, will you meet me at the bar of the Eagle at Camden Town, 8.30 tonight, Wednesday? Signed Bert. It couldn't have been Emily's partner, Bertram Shaw, who had a cast iron alibi for the night Emily Dimmock was murdered. He had been on an overnight train working in Sheffield, a fact backed up by numerous witnesses. So a few possibilities emerged. The letter had no real bearing on the case, there was another Burt with who Emily had liaisons with, But was just a fake name to cover the tracks, as Robert Wood had done with Alice, or Robert Percival Roberts was trying to divert attention away from himself. After all, he would be the next prime suspect should Robert Wood be found not guilty. of Robert Wood's defence, he was lucky to be represented by Edward Marshall Hall, a master of the criminal courts. His cross-examining was brilliant, and the cornerstone of his defence was actually the fact that Wood had asked for an alibi before the murder. Robert Wood had lied about knowing Emily Dimmock previously, claiming that the first time they'd met was on the 6th of September 1907, two years later than Crabtree had said. However, Marshall Hall explained this by saying Wood didn't want his dying father to know about his association with a prostitute. Wood also left to visit his father after 11pm, though the murder is estimated to have happened between 3 and 6 the next morning. Although his father was too ill to testify, his visit was seen by another witness. Marshall Hall suggested that Wood only asked for Ruby Young to say that she'd been seen with him that night that Wood would have asked her to cover the time of the actual killing if he wanted a real alibi for the murder. After deliberating for only 15 minutes, the jury returned a verdict of not guilty. So, if it wasn't Robert Wood, who killed Emily Dimmock? A few other suspects did come up, many of whom were other clients of Emily's. It likely wasn't Robert Percival Roberts, the man who claimed to have seen Emily burning the letter signed to Bert, since the landlady and a friend said he was home the whole night of the murder. Another man suspected was Robert Mackie, also known as Scotch Bob, who Crabtree had said was one of Emily's regular clients. His alibi was that he said he was in Scotland at the time, although this was later revealed to be false as the dates didn't line up. Despite this, he wasn't investigated further. A man nicknamed Scotty was also suspected. He had allegedly used a razor similar to the murder weapon to threaten Crabtree and Emily Dimmock during an altercation at the boarding house. Crabtree claimed that Scotty had blamed Emily for ruining his life and the effect it would have on his parents. However, Scotty was never identified. A later theory emerged around famous artist Walter Sickert. Author Patricia Cornwall claimed he was responsible not only for this murder, but was also Jack the Ripper. He did live in Camden at the time of the murder, and he released a series of odd paintings titled The Camden Town Murder in 1908-1909. The pictures all featured a clothed man and a naked woman, however he had no actual link to the murder and was not mentioned during the investigation and trial. Also, why would Jack the Ripper, a serial killer, take a 19-year break to only murder one person? Based on the vagueness of their alibis, Scotch Bob and Scotty seem the most suspicious. However, identifying the real murder is unfortunately very difficult, since the nature of being a prostitute means they are likely to create many enemies, due to jealous lovers, ruined reputations, etc. Ultimately, it's up to you guys at home to decide what you think really happened. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsolved Retold.